afternoon and welcome back to this week's Table Talk. Uh, this week we are uh, joined by Fran Crew here at the table. Welcome, Fran. Thank you. It's great to have you. You've Good been be a here. wonderful, faithful small group leader now for many years. I don't know how many. <laughs> it's been a while, parting much wisdom, and so we're very appreciative of that. Thank you for that. And David, we're back this Good week. Good to be back. It's Good, Good to have be you back, back after Thank a week. You. And uh, this week, we are in uh, Unit 7. It is page 70 in your certainty book. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we're looking at Chapter 6, verses 17 through 36. It's, it's Part 1 of this first significant teaching moment. Uh, in the life and ministry of Jesus. And before we really dig into it, I always like to ask uh, any big or insightful ahas this week from this, we'll call part one of the Sermon on the Plain or the Plateau or the Level Place. <laughs> Anything, Fran? Um, I, I guess a, a surprising connection for me. Okay. Um, and uh, doing the Exodus study that the WOW ministry is doing. And I recognize that um, this kind of echoes the uh, blessing and curse there in Deuteronomy 27 and 28 um, and how you could connect Jesus at the beginning of his ministry and establishing his kingdom um, in Luke's version uh, in the Gospels yes. um, echoes that um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. blessing and cursing that's there in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Yeah, and it's it's really sort of this symmetry, you know, four blessings, four mm-hmm. curses, or yeah. four woes. So very good. Well, thank you, Fran, David, and Brad. that that was such a good observation. A good I don't I don't think I have one. <laughs> well, <laughs> the only thing that struck me was just that Jesus wasn't out twisting arms to get people to follow him. He did yes. not make the path of discipleship seem overly yes. Um, Simple. I mean, where he says on, on one hand, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but he does not make discipleship sound like yeah. a mere nominal belief yeah. in his existence. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, one of the things that struck me this week was really at the end of the passage, and it's verses 35 and 36, where he says, um, you know, but love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. And the way that you explain that, David, and we, when we see it here, is it's really that just as a, a resemblance of, as, as our mm-hmm. Father. And, you know, I, I made that connection that, you know, one of the things in our children that we always love to hear, I do, if it's a good thing, I guess, is, uh, wow, I see your dad in you. You know, that, Lauren, that just, that's just like your dad in you or your mom in you. And um, that's really what he's saying here. Yeah. You know, do yeah. these things and um, we'll see your Father mm-hmm. in you. Yes. And so I just I thought that was just a wonderful kind of aha for me, uh, mm. being uh, chips off the old block, yeah. <laughs> or in yeah. the most high block, uh, so to speak. So uh, wonderful. Well, good good passage. And so as we get into it, Fran, would you mind reading? Um, and we're gonna have two readings because we have okay. a question in between. Mm-hmm. But let's read that first section, uh, seventeen through twenty six. And I'll mention uh, if you're watching this or viewing it at home. Uh, pause it now. Feel free to pause it and uh, you know grab a Bible or pull up the Bible online and. Join along with our reading. It would be wonderful. Okay. Luke 6, verses 17 through 26. After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. 
Then looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way the ancestors used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. Wow, that's great. So there's our four blessings, four woes. And um, and we have a question here. Um, and, you know, really before the question, I'm thinking, Fran, uh, Fran, uh, reading on Sunday morning, that was a beautiful <laughs> reading yes. of scripture. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, the, wow. Thank you. Um, and so we have a question on those four <laughs> blessings and four woes or curses. And the question comes from RW. RW writes specifically to Luke 6 20. And she says, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. The first question she asks is, is there a difference in the kingdom of God language and maybe the kingdom of heaven language that we see with Matthew's accounts? It's a very good question. I don't think there's a difference. I think they're referring to the same thing. Um, I have read, I have heard, I've read that Matthew uses kingdom of heaven in place of God um, because of Jewish sensibilities about using the name of God, just a bit mm-hmm. of sensitivity. I think they mean exactly the same thing, kingdom of yeah. heaven, kingdom of God. That's a think? wonderful point, too. Yeah, I, th- I think much of this, uh, this passage seems to be an element of extracting the Jewish characteristics of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount in many places. So perhaps that's what's going on here as well. Well, the second thing she asked is, does Jesus mean the literal poor, poverty, uh, or the poor in spirit, uh, you know, as, as opposed to those who might be uh, rich or built up in their own spirit, right. uh, maybe too proud, not depending on God, maybe a bit like in Matthew 5, 3, uh, right. where he speaks of the poor in spirit, blessed right. are the poor in spirit. What do you think? It's, it's a very good question, and it's a difficult question. Um, it's, it's easier for me to understand and apply and think about if I, if I understand it to mean poor in spirit. I mean, that's the way he said it right. in Matthew. Um, to me, I, I lean toward the more literal interpretation. When he says poor, he means poor. When he says hungry, he means hungry. When he okay. says rich, he means rich. When he says full, he means full. Um, it's it's a little hard for me to think he means poor in spirit when he turns around and pronounces the woe to those who are, are rich and so forth. Well, that's true. Um, and I don't think we have the woes in the in the sermon that's on right. the Matthew. Yeah, that's right? right. So if if we treat them the same, you know, and as a contrast, the poor, the rich, um, it it just I, I lean toward the more literal. Yeah. In this in this case, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm the same way. I think in this particular passage, it's the literal, but at the core, it's where they're putting their trust. Yes, mm. yes. Where they're putting their um, emphasis on life and yeah. uh, their confidence about yeah. their standing, and yeah. these a crowd of people that 
cover a full spectrum. Mm-hmm. Right. Saying, what are you trusting in? Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And speaking of the crowd of people, the, the last sort of comment to this question is that, uh, you know, blessed the blessed statements, it says prior to that, that Jesus looked up to his disciples and said, um, so his followers, those who were now sitting under him. And uh, is that true about the woe statements too? Do we, uh, do we assume that that's, he's continuing that line of thought? That's a really good question. I think I made much of the fact yesterday he lifted up on his disciples and said, Mm -hmm. um, we get to the woe section, that statement is not repeated. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, but we would assume it's the same crowd. Um, When he's saying these words, he's got disciples and Mm non-disciples in the crowd. There's a vast multitude Mm -hmm. of people. So... The way I understand it, I think, is that he's, he's speaking to all, including the disciples. It's important for his disciples to hear this, too. Right. But he's not saying to the same person, um, you're blessed and, and woe to you. Um, I think it's intended for everyone to hear. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, I don't think I've answered her question well, yes, though. What do you, would you we'll straighten that out if you would, Fran? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but, I, you know, I do think he was talking still to his disciples. And even when we think about the time in John where he talks about eating his body and um, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they were hard statements and they caused a separation, I think, um, in our study guide, mm. we're asked to give this a, a title, this discussion, yes. yeah. and mm. I titled it Full Disclosure. So mm. yes, That's I think you know it title. applies to anyone in the crowd who's thinking, I'm okay because I'm rich. Well, even as a disciple, I need to yeah. understand that I can't put my confidence there, my yeah. acceptable. Uh, and, and yes, the larger crowd would hear this as well. This, yeah. is what it, this is what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. So, so do you think also that there's something to the idea that, um, you know, this is, this is prior to uh, his atonement on the cross mm-hmm. and resurrection. And so we're talking about disciples, not those who have, have actually confessed, received salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we, we kind of, we kind of are careful saying, well, the disciples, how could they be woe, you know, and then mm-hmm. seem like they're falling away if there's perseverance of the saints. Well, that's not the case here. These are just those who say, all right, I'm signing up. Right. I want to be part of your fellowship, uh, uh, but I'm still. But there were the I could still back out, right? right? I mean, that's kind of it too, right? So I think at this point he's probably just saying, "All, all of you point. are saying, okay, you're you're with me. Mm-hmm. Now let me tell you about it." And then some of them are actually never going to actually come to full faith, although they once at one point said, "All right." I'll, I'll, I'll pay the, uh, uh, you know, the registration fee and, you know, my first check for tuitions in the mail, uh, <laughs> teacher. But um, I, I can always back out. So maybe we don't, we don't even have to go beyond the 12 to see that equation. Yeah, that's right. Because of Judas Iscariot. Very good. That's point. right. Yeah. So a whole different dynamic. There. And he followed right up until the cross. Yes. Yeah. And then that yeah. was a league too far. Yeah, that's right. The final, the final woe kind yeah. of aspect. Great. Well, thank. Hey, good, good. Thing. Very, good very good. Good questions. Good questions. Listening, mm-hmm. and they certainly uh, heard your advice to send those difficult questions to David Holcomb. But <laughs> David Holcomb brings them right Keep back them, out to the they, table. They, yeah. <laughs> so, but thank you, thank you, R.W. Uh, Fran, let's you finish up that passage for us. That okay. would be great. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on a cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask them for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend. Expect nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High, for He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Mm, thank you, thank you, Fran. So, so much there, and um, maybe we'll we'll have a little bit of thought in the last look at Luke here at the end. But um, right now, just a historical insight to this passage. Uh, this week, I, I was really thinking about the geographical aspect of the passage. And, you know, on the surface, there's this question of, is it the same as the Sermon on the Mount? And we say, well, that's kind of trivial. Really, it, it could be or it couldn't be. You know, it's maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, but, you know, this is also a passage where some will say, look, there's contradiction in Scripture. So I think it's important really just to be able to engage that conversation. And I think what we can see is there's two parts to it. First is, um, where is this? Let's leave Matthew aside. (laughs) And it seems like if you look at 7-1... It says, you know, almost immediately after he finishes, he enters into Capernaum. So it's it's along the, the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's outside of Capernaum. Um, I haven't been there. We always ask, have you been to Israel, Fran? I have not. Okay. All right. One of these days we'll have somebody who has. <laughs> uh, but they say if you go along these foothills just outside of Capernaum, the Galilean hillside that there are these knobs, there's, you know, um, sort of uh, rolling hills and, you know, semi-mountains sort of area there that's just, yes, it's regionally, it happened here. And so that's one aspect of it. Uh, the second is, well, is it the same as the Sermon on the Mount? You know, we call it the level place, the the, the plain. And I, th- I think, and I'll be curious to know, David, from your, your sermon prep or just your thoughts, Fran, is it, it seems like commentators come down on one of two solutions here. Uh, one is that Jesus taught often and certainly would have this same message to teach over and over and over. And so very easily it could have been two different sermons easily similar timing of the ministry but two different sermons a lot of the commentators i found and scholars is say no it probably is the same sermon that there's enough there that says eh, this looks pretty close all the specifics around it but we have matthew sort of from to one audience and Luke to the other, that um, the nuances of coming up or going down, what we have to remember is that this was likely given in Aramaic. And so Luke and Matthew are now translating into Greek themselves. And um, we easily can see that um, we can come down to a level place or we can go up to a level place within the mountain or the hillside. Um, so there's, there's that aspect of it too. Um, but I, just from a conversational standpoint, any thoughts or what did, what did you come across most often, David? And what do you I, think? I lean ahead to two different sermons on two different occasions. Okay. I think Jesus uh, said we must go to this place and teach here and here and here. Okay. And certainly he taught these key core truths mm-hmm. 
on more than one occasion to the vast crowds of people that right. came to hear him. So there are different, some differences, though they follow the same pattern. You know, the woes are not in right. the Sermon on right. the Mount in Matthew right. and you know, little things like that. It's much more so, condensed. And, yeah. yeah, much, much yeah. more condensed. Yeah. And um, I tend to lean that way personally. Yeah. Have you ever... Well, in thinking about it, I don't, like you said early on, it, it's n- not a matter that is important right. to the context. But always remember that Matthew is a Jewish writer writing yeah. to a Jewish audience, and he doesn't do things in a linear way. Right. Uh, hmm. And so a lot of what we call the Sermon of the Mount, uh, Luke has scattered through the first 12 mm-hmm. chapters of the book of Luke at yeah. different places where he gives parts of Jesus teaching. Right. Um, and I do know a little bit about the geography around there. I know there are places that he could have been higher up right? when he was uh, separating out his 12 apostles um, and then come down to an area that's very much like an amphitheater right? where the crowd would have been in a a positive place right. below him, um, and it flat. I've I've been told by others that have been in Israel that there are formations right. there around Capernaum right. that would allow for that. But it doesn't. Um, I, like you, I think he had uh, a core message mm-hmm. that, especially here in his early ministry, uh, he repeated over and over again. Must have. And right. um, and so Luke chooses this particular situation, yes. but he does match it right up with when he was choosing his 12. Right. Neither Matthew, um, I don't think any of the other gospels lay out this choosing out the 12 and the right. events that followed that. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, you do. I mean, it, John says the books of the world can't hold all that he said. Yeah. And did. <laughs> so, you know, this was, this could have been, you know, part of a seven day revival, right? That, you know, okay. Then into Capernaum came back, did another day or, or many, many times he would have taught, but um, yeah, just interesting. But I think just geographically, you say regionally, you you can sort of find that spot yeah. and, and, and get us a, a feel for it. And uh, that's great. So, well, good. Well, um, we'll look at a question. Sure. From a uh, question the, the study for you, guide. David. Yes. Um, and it comes from the study guide, I think. Mm-hmm. Question number two, what do the details about where the crowds came from indicate about the mission of Jesus in mm-hmm. the context in which the sermon took place? Yeah, so I think as part, Fran, as part of the, what, what was he thinking when he, when he wrote this? Uh, um, part of this was um, really to get the sense that um, they came from all, of, all over, from all of Israel. And not only that, from the north, from the west, from the coastal, the Mediterranean coast uh, with Tyre and Sidon, but also from all Judea and from the south and from Jerusalem. They also came from all walks of life that we see just in those little four names, right, that... Um, we see the the Phoenician cities, the coastal cities, most likely mostly Gentile. We see the the emphasis on the Jewish population from all over Judea, and then I think we also see the emphasis on the religious population from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sense that Luke is is really describing that they came uh, just just from all over, uh, that they were intentional in their travel to see him, you know, and that that's kind of. Uh, will be what our last look at Luke is too. But, um, that's, that's, I think the, the, that aspect of context to it, uh, that Jesus is, is preaching this all people, all nation, um, gospel, 
and teaching. And, uh, you know, what does this tell us about the mission of Jesus, that aspect of it, uh, that um, all are open to come and receive and all, all hear the same, uh, you know, qualifications, so mm. to speak, for being my disciple. And, um, but, but I think that's just an, and, and I put in here too, it would, if you get a chance, look at the map in the back of the book and kind of get a sense on where that is and how they all came to travel and see him and, uh, what a draw, what a, a reputation he had already amassed in just these short weeks or months. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so I think that's it. I don't know. Would you take it any different way, Fran, when you're kind of in your group this week or? Oh, I, I saw the universality of his yeah. message very much, yeah. much so in that mention. And the how quickly, because he the it mentions that he was healing and that he was also um, uh, had the power of God on him to um, make those that were demon possessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, the magnitude of that was spreading. And because I think at times we get this idea that, Early in Jesus' ministry, he just had a local appeal. And this passage shows that yes. it's not just a local appeal. Yes. The the, the um, effects of his ministry were right. uh, being uh, widely disseminated, yes. especially when you pull in that those Phoenician cities that yes. were primarily Greek, Hellenistic, right. even among the Jewish people that were there were probably more Hellenistic in their, um, in their uh, lifestyle. Yeah, and you know, I think um, one translation says multitudes, a great throng. Yeah, you know, just to, it was a lot of people in context, yeah. and so uh, they're they're hearing, they're saying, "Hey, let's let's go, let's you know, pack the family, let's make this three day walk, four day walk," and that's really part of our last look at Luke this week. And I'd ask you to reflect along with us if you're watching this. Uh, the question is just imagine yourself if you had heard. Let's say we were from Judea, we were south of Jerusalem, maybe we and we had a long try. We had heard, and we said, "All right, we're going to." make this trip. This may be our only time to hear this great teacher and see what he's doing. And we arrive, we've been traveling, we were out on a hillside and, and you know, he, he sits down to teach or stood up to teach, whichever what you know, Matthew are here. And um, we get halfway through his message, which is where we are this week. What are you thinking at this point? What are you thinking when you hear this first half of this great sermon from this great rabbi? I'd be thinking, I came because I heard about the miracles. I wanted okay. to see the lame walk and the blind healed. And now this teaching is challenging. Yeah. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Yeah. Bless those who curse you. Give to everyone who asks from you. Mm-hmm. This is hard. Yeah, I'd be a little taken aback by okay. the challenge of the teaching. Okay. You know, I, I I have to agree with that. I think this is one of those first filtering times that yeah. Jesus uh, um, engages in throughout his ministry, where he right. is very blunt about what he's expecting in his disciples. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, he, you see, he, he tries to avoid the mass appeal. And yes. there is a dynamic yeah. in mass appeal that can just take over and it has nothing to do with your real message. Yeah. And yeah. so he, he puts it out there very bluntly. Yeah, and like you, yeah. I would have been there excited to see the healings and the deliverances, but then to hear the message, I would have to consider, is yeah. this something I really want to get involved with? Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, you know, kind of the intermission, we'll, we'll kind of see what part two is, you know, <laughs> as he continues. But, you know, I kind of put, you know, uh, <laughs> they say more about me than anything. Uh, I'm kind of thinking to myself, all right, if I was there, um, of course, I don't know what I know now, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of biased by it. And I'm thinking maybe I might hear it as sort of refreshing. Like, all right, I've been sitting under the religious leaders in Jerusalem and they're just saying, you know, these thousand laws on Sabbath. And they're saying it's already strict. So this actually sounds a different kind of strict, uh, but a kind kind of strict. And so may, maybe I would have these thoughts of, oh, this this is equally as difficult, but it, it seems to be more pleasing to God, you know, I, or there, there seems to be more fulfilling than what I'm currently going under. I, I, I don't know. I, that would just, I'd have to have some kind of comparison. I think if, if I were a religious Jew, particularly, um, comparing what I'm, I'm sort of between two worlds and they say he may be the Messiah. I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe they're having these thoughts at this time, um, after they hear some things. So, um, yeah, interesting. So, yeah. um, well, to really reflect on what we think at the end of that sermon, we have to wait till next week. So, right. <laughs> which uh, Pastor Andrew is up uh, right. to finish this right. part two, and uh, we uh, we thank you for joining us, Fran. This is wonderful. Love thank her. you. Thank you so much. Very insightful, David. Thank you, David. And uh, thank you all for joining us this week at the table. We do hope that you have a wonderful week and that you join us next week as we continue and finish this passage in chapter six on uh, the great sermon. Blessing, friends. Come on, come on.